All right, y'all. Welcome back. Welcome back to another episode of the Nerd Related Podcast. It has been a while and many of you guys have asked about it. So uh, we're going to be more consistent going forward. I know it's a broken record that we say, but as adults and people with children that I have none, always have uh, things pop up. Super understandable. But you will see that uh, we have another guest. No, Ray is not completely black right now. This is Wes back again for another episode uh, with your boy. So Wes is going to be on here however many times he wants to be on here. So welcome back, man. Thanks a lot, Brian. Thanks for being good, uh, good to be back on the related with the fellows. So lots to catch up on over the last three, four months now. So. Yeah, it's been a while. So uh, full disclosure here. So I've been going back and forth with Wes um about being on the podcast because otherwise it's going to be being by myself most times because ray's pretty busy these days um so over the week i was like yeah we're gonna do it on sunday um we'll do it at noon and my dumb ass thought is a three-hour difference so i was like yeah noon like nine year time so because wes is out west he's out in in uh la or california somewhere so then i was like all right so he messages me this morning he's like i'm a few minutes late and i'm looking at the time like boy it's not even 12 yet (laughs) (laughs) i was like wait it's a two hour difference he's like yeah i was like all right i'm on my way down right now so uh here we are apparently i need to study my u.s time time zones again it's all good. I forget too with all the travel. Trust me, you get lost up in the time zones. You get in and out of airports. It's like, well, where am I at right now? So, you've been going a lot of places, right? Once, do you go like South America stuff too? Yeah, for a while I was doing that the first year. So, uh, transitioning out to the West Coast really didn't stabilize myself in the West Coast for a while, man. I was, uh, as soon as I landed, they had me going to Central and South America a lot, like almost every five to six weeks. So, it was one of those things for the first uh, 18 months, it was just, it was just always in a suitcase. So man, good to be settling down a little bit and just <laughs> finally get my foundation in one area for a while now. So thank you. No, that's awesome. That's awesome. I I don't like mind traveling, but as a bigger dude, this shit is a hassle. <laughs> like I mean, first thing I do, and I try to do it discreetly, and people are are cool with it too. Like I walk in, you bigger people understand this mission. Like, I'm gonna give you some tips as a frequent flyer bigger guy do not wait to ask for a seatbelt extension until you sit down do that as you're walking onto the plane so as soon as i'm walking in first person i see i'll be like let me get an extension but i sure think they grab it hand it to you then it's not super weird with 80 people looking at you yep second if you can try to sit by the window that way you don't have to get up everyone can do whatever they need to do and you can kind of squish yourself into that little corner and hopefully make it okay you ain't lying. Trust me. Uh, we're both we're both big big dudes. And, tr- and and let me tell you right now, flying on Avianca. And some of you may remember Avianca from a TV show called Narcos, uh, notoriously known as the Colombian airline from uh, from Mr. Escobar's uh, yeah, exploits. Yeah. So Avianca is definitely a tight fit, and it is not comfortable. Thankfully, <laughs> my company sends me business class. Which is now gone, just so you know. Oh no! Pass right out of my place. So now it's like you know, let me squish in, and yes, that extension gets requested quite often. And because my Spanish is not good, uh, well, not terrible, just not where it should be. I just have to show them this. So yeah, yeah. You know. <laughs> let, me, let me get an extender. <laughs> so that's actually because I so I've gained weight 
lost weight like a lot i've been fat since i was like 12 i've talked about this on a podcast for a long time anyways but like so i've gained a lot of weight i've lost a lot of weight i usually hover where i'm at now um because i'll lose some hit a mental roadblock and then we're back at it again unfortunately but that's how i would gauge real weight loss if i got on a plane and didn't need the extender i was like all right i you know i put a dent into this shit and then you know we kind of went from there but i'm actually on some new stuff now i won't say new stuff i just so the most difficult thing for me is totally mental so no excuses but my own was i hate reheating food like i just after like two days i'm not a big leftover fan that makes it extremely difficult to like meal prep or whatever so i had to get over that my bum knee um pushed me to it so we found this place uh here in milwaukee it's called like freshly chef mke or something like that super local place won some awards but one of my coworkers uses it and she's like super fit she uses it because she just doesn't want to cook right like i'm just gonna meal prep and then do it for you (laughs) so i was like whatever but it's a cool site like and this is a total plug. If you guys are in southeastern Wisconsin, you should definitely check it out. But they'll send you a menu like on Thursday for the or Sunday for the next following week. And it'll be broken down like here's what's going to be available. But it gives you all the macros. So calories, proteins, fats, everything you need. And the food's already cooked. So you order what you need, comes in a little tray, you throw it in the microwave and you eat it. It's been so helpful. So we buy like 20 of these every week. They get delivered Monday afternoon. So 10 for me, 10 for Sida for the five days in a row. And I have yet to eat something there that doesn't taste good. So like, it's been super helpful tracking everything. I'm almost close to like 30 pounds down already. Almost, I lose weight really fast at the beginning. Like the first 60 pounds is like in a blink of an eye. And then when it becomes a pound a week, it gets really hard for me mentally. But with this plan, I feel like, Cause I don't have to think about it. Everything's already ready. The food's good. Like it's just been super easy to, to keep going. So that's super good. And more importantly, my knee doesn't hurt as consistently as it was hurting before. So that's what I've been doing here the last six to eight weeks. That's awesome. My man. Thank you. I'm glad to hear it too. Glad to hear it. So that's what's up in the right direction. Something similar about, uh, March of, uh, 23, I started uh, on an app called Noom. So somebody may have heard of it. Yeah, yeah. But it's most but it's mostly just uh counting. So for the most part, my weight loss is close to about fifteen over the last um two two and a half months, two and a half to three months, uh fifteen pounds, and that's just mostly just all been diet and not even working out. So Yeah, I don't work out either. Just chicken breath, um, almost low carb wrap, pretty much low carb wraps, and then just lots of veggies. Lots of veggies and fruits. And one of the best parts about being in the in the West Coast is Having that quick access to fresh tropical fruit in the grocery stores, you know, so, and it's already, sometimes it's cut up, sometimes it's not, but you know what, it's just more, more readily uh, access and it's at a cheaper price. So can't argue about the produce. So trying to incorporate that. So that's sort of the thing, but yeah. And then, uh, try to get out to do, but for a while, I was averaging about four miles, three and a half to four miles a day walking for a while. So I did that for almost like a month. And I, that's where I started dropping like a huge dent. So yeah, to your point, though, be it does. It starts with the diet, and then it starts, and then you can build on that. So man, congrats to you. Thanks, man. Yeah. So for me, um, I've always like me and Danny did. So D, you guys know Diamond Dallas Page, the wrestler, DDP, DDP. Mm-hmm. So he has this yoga thing. So when me and Danny, when I met Danny, 
um, about a year and a half in, I was probably smaller than I am now, but I was trying to lose weight at that point too. And I saw DDP on like this Yahoo article. Somebody was like, this this new yoga thing is not your mama's yoga. Diamond Dallas Page made it, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, oh, this seems cool. Let me check it out. So I went on. It was super early in his journey. So I went on the website. I ordered it. It was like 80 bucks or some shit. And it was so early that Dime, that Dallas was calling anyone that bought one personally. So he wow. called me. I was at In Time Warner. We worked in the basement at that point. So my signal was asked, but he calls me. Um, we have like a 10 minute conversation. The signal drops and I'm like, whatever. And then um, he called me back. So it was like a super, like super cool thing he was doing. We talked about a lot of stuff. Like, how did I get fat? Like, you know, if you've been fat your whole life, that's not your fault. You know, it's how your parents were doing stuff for you. Like they should have set limits, yada, yada. And so Danny came on a journey with me and we, like, Dude, because he's like, it shouldn't be painful to work out. And like, so we started doing DDP yoga and it yoga's fucking hard, dog. Whoever y'all that do yoga, like props to you, that shit. And it builds strength. Like it does crazy. So me and Danny did it for a little bit. We lost like I lost like 30 pounds. Danny lost probably like 15 or something. And it was fun. Like every other day, every day. Now that it was like a DVD, like it was at the beginning, like this was over <laughs> 12 years ago. Now it's an app. So like once I get to the wall again, like where I start struggling mentally, because I'm not working out, I'm just eating differently. I'm probably going to subscribe to the app and then try to like work out that way because it's easier on the joints. And right now yeah. I'm on a I'm on a bum knee still. So we'll see if I can build some strength around it. Got you on that. Yeah. Friend of mine, she got me on a uh, doing the uh, morning uh, sun salutation. So nice. Go through. So that's yoga. That's also uh, that's also like a beginner course of yoga, just getting you used to the movement, breathing mostly. So once I got on that about three years ago, I do that, but that's mostly just focus, you know, clear mind, yep. clear vision. That's what I got. I got to do that. So I do that in the morning. But I was at one point I was doing about fifteen salutations. Which is tough. It's, it's actually tough on the joints. And then when I moved out here and then the work hit me. Now I'm back to just being happy to get through five salutations. I'm just like, all right, heavy breathing, breaking that sweat, you know, but you know what? You got to move through it though. So if I don't get through the five, then I'll never get to eight, never get to 10, never get to, you know, so got to start doing it though. So it's yeah. just crazy. Like there's always things that people do for, whatever reason it's always it's it's like in business right if you hear a business tell you it's all it's how we've always done it usually yeah. that's not a good thing right like well, <laughs> yeah. it doesn't mean it's the best way to do it it just means we're either lazy about it or because it's working i don't want to risk to do something else right like but that doesn't mean it's the best way to do it it's just the way we've done it and there's certain things that we do like um, I was listening to the radio the other day and this came up like somebody's like, well, I don't say I think it was on Kiss FM Alley or some some one of the local people. Well, I don't say bless you. Like, I don't say it. And people get super weird. Right. So they're like, where the hell did that even come from? I don't know. Right. So I had to Google it. Like, where the hell did bless you come from? Do you know where bless you came from? Yeah, it's supposed to be because uh, like in that moment when you sneeze, like the heart stops and so people are saying bless you so that you so that your heart. So, you know, so it's a it's a it's a good blessing that your heart continues to pump again. So 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 I'm, scientifically, that's probably a thing. But where it originated was in yeah. Rome during the bubonic plague. Oh, wow. And the probe would when people would sneeze, which was the main symptom 
for the for this plague apparently well, it might not be bubamic but it was a plague so the pope would walk around and if anyone sneezed he would say god bless you and it was a way for them to feel like they're gonna make it and not die okay. so like this somebody at some point said one thing and it and we do it across time it's yeah, just insane cool. But I say that because in the program, in the DDP thing, he told me something super weird, like crazy when he was talking to me. And it's like built in. I'm sure all yogis are kind of into the same thing. <laughs> but apparently, like when you breathe, so like take a deep breath. What happens to your like diaphragm? Expand. So mo when yeah. most people breathe, they like suck in their stomach. Like, why are you sucking in your stomach That's when true. you breathe? Like you're limiting wherever you can store the. It's super strange. Like apparently, it's not the correct way for you to breathe. So I was like, I never thought about it. Like, who? Why do we do this? Has anyone ever done it? Do you see someone take a deep breath and then all of a sudden that's just the way you do it forever because it's absolutely you saw because <laughs> you bring it into your chest instead of instead of instead of pushing out through your diaphragm. Right, and that's exactly how singers actually do. It. So I used to just. The <laughs> A little unknown fact I used to sing, uh, not professionally, of course, otherwise, I wouldn't be here now. Um, <laughs> right, we wouldn't be doing this podcast, with but but because I was amateur, you know, I was taught and seeing lessons like that's the first thing they tell you you breathe out through your diaphragm and not in your chest, right? So that's the fallacy. So, to your point, absolutely, and then you don't figure it out until you get older, and then you start thinking about these things. You're like, <laughs> As a child, I was doing things incorrectly, but then yeah. you get older, you realize for, for, okay. for decades, we're doing it yeah. for decades. So didn't mean to become the healthy promoting podcast, but hey, man, if we're on a journey, you're more than likely going to hear about it. Uh, but we do want to talk some monsters. So Godzilla minus one came out and uh, I watched it right away. Day one, uh, I went with Ray. Our buddy Diego, which you guys have met if you paid attention to the channel from a while ago, um, and their kids. So Junie was there, Ray's son, and Diego's daughter Sophie was there too. So the kids weren't a fan of the subtitles, but we didn't know there were subtitles going in. So I told Wes, like, bro, this movie's pretty good. You should check it out. So we're going to start there, get yeah. Wesley's uh, reaction to the movie, because he admitted to me last night that he's not a Godzilla fan. So I want to explore that and then see how he felt about Godzilla minus one. Absolutely. So, B, if you hadn't recommended the movie, I don't know that I necessarily would have gone out and watched it first off. But I had to, you know what, do something different, you know, something out of the ordinary. So what? why not as well go see Godzilla? Getting great reviews, people running out of the theater with smiles on their faces from that, and that's just what I'm seeing all over the place. And there's a lot of people who are getting turned on by it. So to start off, absolutely very slow. And at some point, when they're building into the character growth, the character building part, in those first 15 minutes, that you know, in that first act, I got to tell you, man, I wasn't feeling it. It wasn't hitting me. But what did was the connection that uh, he had with with his with his girlfriend yep and there and and the in the girl that he ends up um that she ends up is caring for and so that human connection right there is the one that really brings you in because we've already seen godzilla before and my preconceptions of godzilla have always been it just godzilla shows up 
you have absolutely no character nothing, connection, nothing. and it's just being things are being destroyed. The American versions just don't know how to do that connection. They don't really understand Godzilla. They care more about the um, about the the VFX version of Godzilla than they do about Godzilla. And one of the things I'm going to tell people right now, if you haven't seen it, because but you're getting it's going to get spoiled for you. Yeah, but we're going to spoil Godzilla, it. <laughs> they give Godzilla his traditional movement and everything else that holds true to the Japanese value of what they've done yep. already. Because it's yeah. Godzilla's theirs. Make no mistake. Like kaiju's and Godzilla, it that is a part of their culture from as far as telling stories to developing this character who's become a multi-billion dollar asset for Hollywood. Like, however they depict it, it's the correct way. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's their exactly. character. They want they put it on the screen. It was wild. It was wild. So, I mean, just that alone. So, first 15 minutes, not sure. Somewhere in those next 30, though, I got hooked. And I was captivated by the storyline. Got me, brought me, brought me in. But more so because it's a period piece. They chose yeah. not to try to throw it into current yep. day. The period piece ties into, I'm an American. But let me think about if I was a Japanese. What are my feelings and how am I relating to what was going on in Japan at the time? They picked the perfect period. Reconstruction in Japan, post-World War II, you know, and all of these other things that are going on in all these remote islands, utilizing that depth of history, they brought it all focused back together to give you a great Godzilla story and keep, like I said, keeping true to the animatronics of Godzilla and that motion. Uh, and then building, I mean, just advanced storytelling that I've not seen in a long time from a traditional movie. And this is a traditional movie with advanced storytelling. So they did a great job with it. And I look forward to their next production. It was uh, it was crazy. I want, I'm going to look up the budget because I read it, but I don't want to miss talk. But um, it was nothing. You know, yeah. <laughs> like, like it was literally the budget was like a box of cornflakes with the way that we're paying for shit right now. And they talked about that two hundred million dollar budget from the last American one with uh, nothing against Millie Bobby Millie Bobby Brown, but uh, that was a little bit they they overpaid they they overproduced and and got no return on investment for that. So in this, they did the right investment and uh, right production investment, and they're going to get lots of returns, especially in the United States. Yeah, it, it's just it's crazy. Um... I'll start with how he looked like he looked awesome. So as we're watching it, like Godzilla looked like something that's been at the bottom of the ocean or has been hit by other things. Like he's scarred and he has like visible issues with being a predator who stalks other things. You know what I'm saying? Like it's super interesting. But one thing Ray and I were talking about mid movie because it turned him off immediately was when we first see him on the island. He was little. Like he was yeah. barely as tall as as the um as the lookout tower, which wasn't that tall at all because it's That's made true. out of wood, you know. Like, and Ray's like, "Bro, he's too little," and I'm like, "I mean, we're meeting him for the first time, right? So like, he'll probably grow. Like, that's just a part of it." And he was like, "Well, we'll see." And then eventually, he does become this monster thing. But the, they need radiation to grow, so like, the military's testing bombs on him, and you know, whatever. So like, as they're as he's fighting, he's getting bigger. So that was cool to see that too. But you're very right. Like the movie is monster movies, big budget movies, hell, even Mar- Marvel movies, although Marvel does a better job than some of the other superhero stuff. Sure. Like it's not about the people. Like it's about the action sequences and the CGI and like 
Marvel tries to do an overarching story, but it really falls flat a lot of times. This movie is a Godzilla movie, but it is about the people. Like it's about the relationships that they build. And you touched on about on something super important being a period piece. It is about how the Japanese people felt after World War II. Not just having lost, but the aftermath of it with the Americans and the Russians still beefing leading into a Cold War. With how their government lied to them and swore them to secrecy on anything and everything they had ever done. And how that affected communities and how they reacted to things like it. It is such a deep movie. It's one of the best movies of the year. And I'm sure most of you guys aren't going to go watch it. One, it has subtitles and that turns a lot of people off. But it's one of those things where like it's it's not a part of our monsters universe that we're in right now with Godzilla versus Kong and God of the Monsters and Monarch, which we'll talk about in a second. But it's the people that made Godzilla, you know, the, that's a part of their culture making a movie about how it affects people like and how during that period other things like Godzilla is kind of in the background their their issue is how they came out of the war and how people are viewed that came back and the things that they lost like it's just it's crazy absolutely it's a movie about loss it's a movie about loss and how do we move forward and at the end of the day i think Godzilla has always symbolized that for japan and i feel like the i think and i think this movie finally got me to connect with the understanding the value of what godzilla has always represented in the in the filmmakers that always did godzilla and why they did it because now you see it in that period piece you see it's about always them dealing with the loss and rebuild it's just yep. that's just what it is and before you know you add in on mothra and all the other additional gaiju the thing is, is that it started with that. And one of the things I picked up on is that Godzilla is frightening in this movie. That first pan down when he's in the plane and you see Godzilla's eye, it is like that first time in 1992 when you saw, or 93 technically, when you saw in Jurassic Park, yeah. that T-Rex eye, when it just focuses on you. It's the terror that you feel. And they actually put you right in his shoes. Yep. And you could feel his emotion. Because he's Typical. scared, right? Absolutely. He's he's frightened to death, and you get it. But you also are frustrated because this character means so much to the advancement of the story. Right. Without him, he doesn't move this needle because there's so many other people connected to him that have pivotal points throughout the movie. You know, you have the scientist who comes up with a plan. You have the mechanics who he meets along the way. You know, you have the woman and the daughter and then his neighbor. You know, these are all, and then his fishing boat companions. Yeah. You know, so, you know, uh, are technically uh, mind detonation companions, but, you know, all of them are all circulated around him, and it's about his character growth. And every time that he can't seem to understand how, how to move forward, one of them is the piece that catches him and moves him to the next phase of his life. And, you know, and the daughter played such a big role for big him. Big role. Huge role. And nobody really see it because you don't see it until you don't catch it until like towards the end with just how much it mattered to him, you know. And then, you know, ultimately, because Godzilla was frightening, you could understand exactly what that fear meant as you follow his journey and then how his fear 
sort of transcended into the people around him. So, you know, all, you know, they did a great job of just connecting all the elements. I haven't seen a film like this in a while, especially oh. when it comes to either horror action. That's just, again, it's just, it's a staple. It's a canon sort of film, the concept at least. And the thing is they brought it back to its original um, premise of how it does well. And then they were able to connect it to a new audience. I think. Yeah. I mean, it's an important um, piece, right? Cause we talked about, the time period we talked about their feelings towards their nation godzilla but the main character especially in their in their culture a culture of the samurai a culture of honor right like you have to have honor like this is a kamikaze fighter pilot that abandoned his post and pretended his plane was damaged so he didn't have to do what he was assigned to do so like at the very beginning you meet a character who is a coward Yep. And and shows you his cowardice throughout multiple points of the movie. Like he abandoned the kamikaze <laughs> mission. He then doesn't fire on Godzilla when he has an opportunity to. Not that it would have did anything because they still would all got whopped, but he had a <laughs> shot to do that. And then over and over again, even when he meets like when he meets the the girl and the daughter, that's the moment, that's that first moment where it changes, right? Because um, again, we're spoiling a shit ton of stuff, but when she didn't come back to get the baby, he could have left her there, right? Like, Absolutely. and that's the first moment where, okay, like he's starting to try to do the right things and regain his honor and and kind of go from there. But it's as much as his personal growth as well and and redemption, a redemption story for him, for the country, for everyone involved, right? And then you get to see cool shit like where he's from was mm-hmm. bombed by the allies. So when he comes home, this city is decimated. Like they're Nothing. living in the rubble of an aftermath of a war. It's just, yeah, it, it's just squalor. I mean, they're all in squalor and they're neighbors, the ones that are left. You know, he comes home and he's greeted by somebody who says, like, I lost my children and everyone could right. not give your life. You know, that line alone set the, that like set the whole expect that like the benchmark right there of where he now needs to figure out where to go. She gave him that and he had to figure something there. You know, and one of the things I was thinking about as you brought up, right, was um, you know, when this guy he could not get over his fear. That's the whole film was about him having different phases of fear he couldn't get through. Like when he could not put a ring on that woman's finger. Oh yeah. And he, you know, they're at dinner and the man my man is like, that's not my wife. <laughs> or no, she actually said we're not married. That's not yeah, we're husband. not married. And he's and his buddies <laughs> he, are like, "What the hell, dude?" And he's like, "But what you got a daughter?" He's like, and he, my man's just like, "Nah, they my kid." Yeah, don't call, like, don't call yeah, me dad. Don't call me dad. Don't call me dad. He's like, he told the kid, "Don't call me, don't call me dad." You know, and then looking at him like, "Man, you got your priorities messed up, my guy." So you know, when his boys are just laying in on him, and he still couldn't figure out how to do the right thing because he was afraid. You know, he said that he had a. He had to he had to make things right before he can make her make himself a good husband and a good father, right? But at the end of the day, it was still his fear. He still didn't know how to just accept what, what the what life was giving him and just be able to and just take that take that and grow with it, you know. But it took him to have to take some losses along the way there, but he finally made it right in the end, you know. It's you crazy. It's crazy because now one thing that's come from like streaming and the globalization, you know, of everything 
is that we are seeing more of these pieces, right? So like there's more Bollywood films that make our screen. There's more Chinese flicks. Like um, the day that I want to say it's not the Wandering Earth. You ever seen Wandering Earth? That movie's fire, bro. And it's a Chinese. It's like a Chinese dystopian movie. I think I, there's there's a sequel as well. But basically, we messed up the typical we messed up the earth. It's dying. You know, the people that are still here are trying to survive and other people are leaving. But it's really good. Like, the it's, again, focused on the story. But because we have access to this stuff, I think it's on Netflix if you want to check it out. But because we're focused on this stuff now, we're seeing how other parts of the world make flicks, right? So, like, Hollywood isn't, they're still the undisputed king because it's where we're from, and the budgets are multi-million dollar budgets. Like, Godzilla's budget was $14 million, and and we're talking about it as one of the best movies this year. But, like, there's different good movies. Like, Spain makes good series and movies. Like, Korea has always done good like shows and soap operas like Korean soap operas if you're into soap operas is like a whole like cult following of everyone the best soap operas they say so now that we can see all that stuff Hollywood needs to wake up and make better shit because I don't have to go see that right like I have options I can Netflix is gonna spend a gazillion dollars on making and buying content from regardless of where it's from it doesn't matter where it could be some dude that had a camera and made a cool movie Netflix will pay them to distribute it if it if they feel like people are gonna watch it so we need to let people tell their story and it's interesting I think Apple understands that stories are important they don't cancel many tv shows right like and the shows that they have are very story people centric like i know you're watching a couple of them but a lot of the apples i feel like they don't really miss and i'm bringing up apple because monarch is a series within the monster verse right the godzilla king kong king of the monsters story but it's about how monarch was founded and again back in the day like it goes back and forth through time but when it was founded after the war um and it uses the mythology and the characters that we already know from the movies but again people centric i think we've seen godzilla in the show through seven episodes one time so like it's about how they interact with each other They've seen other Titans, at least one really cool one that we've never seen before. But again, it's about loss, like how Godzilla affected San Francisco after G-Day and how people Mm. are like, dude, the city's decimated. No one lives in San Francisco. They live on the outskirts. It's quarantined still. And it's been years like the military is in San Francisco still. They haven't even begun the rebuilding process. And it's about grief, like. People were lost. This came out of nowhere, but did it come out of nowhere, right? Like Monarch knows about this shit, but the general public doesn't. So again, like the story, right? Ray's not super into that. He he wants to watch Godzilla versus King Kong duke it out all the time. And he thinks Godzilla should, I mean, he thinks King Kong should win every single time because he has thumbs and he's smarter and a, a lizard is stupid. But the stories matter. Like that's what Apple is paying for and counting on that's going to grip you. I, I think it's a cool show. It is slow. Cause like 
they lost their dad and their dad is the connection to everything else that's going on. So you kind of got to go through family issues, but that's what we were just talking about. What made minus one good. So why would you not do that? No, it's the recipe, right? There's a recipe with all of this. And you said it right there, which was find a way to get the audience to connect to the characters. But yes, loss is the is probably the most simplest. That's like the one plus one version of connection, right? It's like the simple equation for it. But um, you could do that. You could a series can survive. And you, like you said, what the, what you're doing is you're introducing the the kaiju or the monsters or titans. They become just this ancillary piece of it, not even the main focus. But they become that thing that pushed this to happen but they're not the focus of it. And and that's good because now they're allowing you to get some, some character depth, some plot depth. They, like you said, the story gets told and from perspective. So one of the things I, I got to ask because I haven't started my arc yet is how many different perspectives are you getting this story told from? Because I know that there's a collection of characters. So. Yeah. So you have, uh, there's actually another cool thing. I'm going to mention it here in a second. So it's after, I think, Vietnam, one of the wars we're involved in, Mana gets started. So you have the view of the three founders of Monarch directly after the war, following radiation and trying to get money to be able to study this. And then the government giving them a blank check, basically, to do whatever they want to study it. Then you have the daughter, which only they're only separate views through two episodes. So basically, um, I'm a monarch employee. I have a wife in California with a daughter. I fly frequently. So I have a whole nother family, a wife and a son in Tokyo. <laughs> then I die. So the daughter is trying to collect his things, ends up at the son's house. They figure out it's my brother. My dad's an asshole, blah, blah, blah. And then those stories become one. So the son and the daughter are together trying to figure out what happened to oh, their dad, who was either dead or missing. Um, So it goes uh, back and forth between. And then the people that founded Monarch are their mm-hmm. great grandparents. So like it's her, it's their grandma or some shit. Okay. Um, oh, so dope. it's not too bad. It does. So it goes there. So from at post pop's death to foundation, and then it goes back and forth to to G Day because so they reuse the footage. They don't even have to film Godzilla again. So they use the they reuse the footage of when Godzilla walks through the Golden State Bridge, and oh, then perfect. they placed her on the bridge. I'm not gonna tell you what what's around her because it's pretty impactful. But she's on the bridge and he's like walking past her and it it traumatizes her as it should. Right? She almost died. But um, so that it goes through those three moments and then. Uh, Kurt Russell uh, is one of the founders and we don't know how he's still alive considering it's a gazillion years ago that it was founded. He would have been like 90 years old at this point, but his son plays himself in the past. So it's a really cool, like they look just like each other. So his son is playing the character in the past at the foundation. And then Kurt Russell's playing the older version of him in the future. And it works. It's pretty good. Yeah, I saw that Wyatt Russell was in this, so I I wasn't sure exactly how Wyatt was being used, but actually that's a pretty strategic way to that's it's, a skillfully it's, strategic it's, way to use. Yeah, it. no. It's pretty good. So, oh, one of the things before we uh go any further in the monarch, because I want to ask this question about that too. Uh 
about Godzilla, one thing I will tell you was the VFX rendering at times with the people to Godzilla in the background was not always smooth. But then there are times when you see it come into focus that you're like, all right, now that looks fire. Yeah. So, so I don't know if you picked up on it, but like when they're filming in the city, when they're filming and I want in Ginza, when when they're in Ginza and, they're, and they had the film crew on the top of the of the rooftop, and you see Godzilla, you can see there's a bit of a of a contrast where you can pick yeah. up on the, the difference there. But that happens on occasion. I think in the beginning it also happened in the first one he shows up on the island. But so my question to you is, and then Monarch, how well are they doing with pulling off the VFX with some of these things that are happening with some of these characters? Is it well produced or is it? Yeah, uh, it's movie like quality. Marvel? It's movie okay. quality. Like it feels okay. like the Godzilla movies, like the Monsterverse movies. Um, yeah, I had to ask. We yeah, no, it looks good. The Marvel stuff. So you there's know, there's this. Uh, <laughs> they discover a new Titan who like breathes, like he can. He has like freeze breath, so he can freeze shit, and then fire actually fuels him. So it's like this perfect. Like, you, how the hell do you kill it when fire gives it energy and oh, he can freeze man. you? <laughs> oh wow! Okay, so it's a cool yeah. Titan, and there's like two episodes where they're like trying to fight it and shit and he looks really really good also uh i'm gonna clean up my uh my uh, my, my dossier of uh of things that are on my list right now that i gotta watch so you know i'm still figure still gonna finish up blue eye samurai then the transition to monarch so good Mon- if you guys monarch. ain't watching blue eye samurai you need to watch it it's amazing so yeah thank you for the recommendation uh, uh that right there alone has got me locked in for the last few days so it took me a while to clear up my schedule for that but then i was ready for i had to sit down once i started watching i started about a week ago and realized i was like no no, no i need to be in a clear space right now so i had to clear some things off my off my plate that i was working on my free time and then i got through that so um but yeah yeah no it was good um you know so yeah i'm pretty pretty stoked with blue eye samurai gonna watch monarch so everything you throw me thrown at me so far is working the one thing i haven't been able to get deep into has been um uh, foundation or not foundation but what's the other um a- apple show the apple tv show that's, um uh, where they're on a for all mankind silo silo oh silo silo, silo. silo. i haven't been able, i haven't been able to get any further into silo yet so that's also on my backlog of things so i'll get caught up through silo but yeah i was super excited with silo i ended up buying the whole series of the books or whatever and i started reading it and then i put it aside and haven't gone back to it and my <laughs> wife's a super reader like we have a room dedicated to books and legos and she has a Kindle and she reads every single day. And oh she's a slow reader, though. So I'd be making fun of her. And she's like, bro, at least I finish books. Like, you'll start a book and just kind of leave it on the table. I'm like, you're right. I can't I can't keep going. You're right. I do. Well, um, so well, I got to finish it, though. My cousin Juan, because uh, we were on it together. And yeah. uh, he did the same thing. He bought them and he finished them in like a month and a half. He's like, dude, it's so good. I can't wait for the show to keep going. So that's that's pretty good. Pretty Definitely. good. I'm excited it's going. But I, Silo was one of the biggest launches this year. Like everyone was talking about it. Like if you had Apple TV, you watched it. If you didn't, I tried to convince you to get it. So it was I, cool. that was one of the reasons why I signed up for Apple TV. I finally put the bullet about like five months ago. I was like, oh, okay, okay, okay. It's finally time to just be an adult and just pay for this ten dollar a month <laughs> service at the time. So I'm not gonna complain anymore. So it's fine. So I mean we're an Apple house. So my wife I, I used to have Samsung's before. My wife got tired of the green <laughs> bubble. 
So <laughs> she's like, you get an iPhone, dude. You don't even do nothing on your phone, but go on social media, which is true. Like I don't game on my phone. I do all that stuff on other stuff. So I made the switch a while ago, um, but she's in. So like we, we get through the, like the big bundle. So you get music, you get the Apple TV, what like news and some other shit. Oh, wow. So, okay. Um, Everything here, if it was up to her, would be Apple for simplicity, like the interconnectedness. But I'm not all the way in there. So speaking of Netflix and spending a shit ton of money. Rebel Moon is around the corner and this thing looks nuts. Two weeks away. Nuts. So for if you're not aware, Zack Snyder, um, after being cut out of the dcu basically after the tragic um issues of his daughter yeah uh, he had to take a break it definitely impacted the dcu overall his personal life as it should have understandable so now he made a deal basically sold his soul or netflix sold their soul or part of their company to, to Zack snyder as you guys are going to mm-hmm. hear here shortly but there is a uh a connection there so basically he wanted to do a star wars movie but Disney wasn't really wanting to go that far because it wasn't going to have Jedi's, right? Like, it was kind of what Disney's doing right now on Disney+. Plus. Like, no Jedi stuff, really. Just stories within the Star Wars universe. Anyways, they couldn't agree on the deal. So he went to Netflix and did Army of the Dead. Did you watch Army of the Dead? That I was, like, his first it. movie, which was pretty cool. I thought it was fun. Um, yeah, it was a nice change up to the zombie thing yeah 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 so Perfect. that was cool so then that sparked the relationship and now basically Zack snyder made a big budget star wars movie without being star wars which is called rebel moon so um i think everyone's gonna dig it it looks incredible but that's coming um super excited part one's called a child of fire yeah so with that right um Zack Snyder decided to go deeply into sci-fi. Talk, trust me, that threw me way off my game. I was like, okay, <laughs> where's this guy coming from? And what's driving him to get into sci-fi? But everything I've seen and everything I've read about Rebel Moon right now, this is going to be bananas. Let me just tell you right now. Just the visuals alone have already got me just locked in. And that was five months ago from those first images. I was like, all right, December can't come fast enough. I was like, you know, we need to get this thing rolling. It looks but so he, good, dude. It does. I, it has a Star Wars influence. If you watch the trailer, exactly. like you could, if they didn't tell you it was called Rebel Moon, you could be like, "This is another Star Wars movie." Absolutely, absolutely. Only thing I would tell you differently is just the characters look slightly darker and yep. a little bit more. And that's probably why know. Disney didn't bite. Like yep. we have a theme park to to do here, buddy. We can't yeah. you know, be having <laughs> too much darkness. Yeah, and I'm sure they didn't like the Darth Maul. I mean, Darth Maul touches on like every part of like darkness that you can get to, and I think that was about as dark as they're going. And Zack Snyder likes to give you the rawest, most adulted version of like not violence but action that you can get in a film. You know, he's not afraid to go there with you. But yeah, I think the storytelling that Zack Snyder's done has never been anything less than phenomenal so far. Um, When you let him tell his stories. He does it very well. Don't edit it out. Like, Thank dude, you. I'm telling you guys, I, I, me and Ray talked about this at nauseum in the past, but if you haven't seen the extended 
version of Batman versus Superman and the Justice League. Go watch it. And this is a great transition. I didn't even plan on saying this. I love it when that happens. But the reality, dude, first off, the Justice League one's like three and a half hours long. So if you're like, if, I don't know if you want to sit that long, but the story, like, it's just an infinitely better movie. Like, I don't understand how we made the decision to release what they released instead of this. But anyways, that came out, right? The fans demanded it came out. You should watch it because it's amazing. So Snyder sold whatever he had to sell on Netflix. They're all in. We got Army of the Dead. Well, we have Rebel Moon, which is a two-parter. We get part one December 22nd. Part two is going to be middle of January, I think it is. Yep. Feels all right. But now the folks at Netflix and Wes was like, I've been hearing ramblings, but no one's really talked. But the main Netflix dude is out loud said we are trying to basically gain the rights to continue the DC Snyderverse at Netflix. And if Warner Brothers is smart, I'm letting them do it because we've already established a a multiverse and both both of them so why not capitalize that sell those rights for the Snyderverse and in the future if you wanted to you could bring all that shit back but can you imagine dude if he had the opportunity to finish the story dude first off the budget's gonna be insane like if they do if they're able to pull it off but I feel like we're going in the right direction after the extended versions or director's cuts and then we just you know blew it all up but Netflix ain't playing no games, dude. They're all in on Zack Snyder right now. Well, you know what? And that's and to your point. It's and they and they have the they pretty much have they've got the like the net worth to do this with very little concern of overspending and right le, and less return on budget, right? Because one, they're likely Netflix has only done I think two, maybe three films that I can remember that were big screen release budget release. One of them was the Scorsese film you know, the Irishman. Yep. And then I think there were like two others recently that were that were that. So Netflix is less concerned about making this a Hollywood theater, you know, versus just letting it stream. So that's the one thing that works in their favor. And, and, and you know, I think I've thrown this at you before is that there's something that's transitioning and COVID did help push it, but I think it was always getting there. People don't want to go to theaters. Anymore. They don't. People don't want to be next to the strangers anymore. People just don't want that. They like being at home. They like the comfort of their family or by themselves, right? So that's the number one thing. So Netflix has already sold that niche market. The second thing is for them to lease or borrow, it is no risk right? Versus to, to Warner Brothers or DC, right? This is the whole thing. And what's going to stop it is going to be how much did they give, how much is Zaslav going to limit and then how much is it going to be James Gunn? And I'm trying to remember in Saffron's um, choice to what they don't want to like get released. Right. Because so properties, that's right? Like if Zack Snyder is going to bring out a character before James Gunn can that he has big plans for, nah, that, that could be a problem. So there would have to be limits. But, I mean, James Gunn said he's open to Zack Snyder doing something within his universe going forward. But Zack only wants to do... A Batman movie, I think he said, or something like that. Like he talked about the only movie he would do, but I don't know if that's going to be possible. Which I still say, if you go back to Frank Miller's Batman, Batman, Ben Affleck was probably the best Batman on screen version of any Batman to me. Just uh, yeah, to, I love him. To, to, I love to him. any comic so good. book version. So 
you know, I, I've been on record with that before. I mean, and to your point earlier about three three hours of three hour running movie with the with the, with the Justice League, look, the Batman was three hours. So guess what? <laughs> so if you sat through this, you can have. I think I think any of us who are gonna who are gonna want to watch any sort of uh, comic book film can do that. Hell, I feel like if you had just done the Watchmen for three and a half to four hours, I would have watched that too. For sure. You know, I've been waiting for a Watchmen follow-up because I think that that's actually something that they should have been doing. They should have done that like 10 years ago. The, so you know, and- the Watchmen's super underrated, bro. Like no one really talks about that being one of the better superhero movies in general, but like it is. Like Watchmen yeah. was a really good movie. And it's the same sort of same mood, same setting is what is what Zack Snyder delivered to DC, you know, for DC. So, you know, there's a there's a niche market there that people just aren't wanting to so like some of these, and it's the execs. The execs just don't want to invest into it because they just think it's too adult and it's not kiddish. Right. So when you start limiting the age range, they feel like you're going to lose residuals on who's going to buy. But reality is, you're not. They're actually going to captivate a larger audience or a certain audience who's going to want to be more engaged with you. But that's exactly they run the numbers. I don't. So I let them and the, I let them and the real nerds run the stats. So <laughs> it's just wild, dude. Like it's it's fascinating i think rebel moon so i went on a canceling binge this is how you know netflix <laughs> is the king of stuff so i was looking at it like I, and i do pretty well for myself like i don't have to cancel none of this shit but i was like rebelling i was like you want to raise my price y'all y- yeah go fuck yourself dude i'm not doing none of that so i went through i can't i said netflix to cancel i said hulu to cancel i said what else it was netflix hulu something else because i have like everything but I kept, no, I kept, it had already renewed. So <laughs> I, when I went on the camp, it went up, dude, Disney plus when I signed yeah. up for Disney plus, it's the same tangent. So I'm going to continue it. I signed up for Disney plus and I did a pre-order thing at the very beginning. Disney was promoting it. They said, buy two years, get one free. I got Danny on it. So I, I paid like, I don't know, I think it was 80 bucks a year. So like 160 bucks, let's call it 200 bucks for three years. So I haven't paid for Disney Plus since day one. Like I've never right. even remembered. So I don't know if they've done price increases every year because I wasn't paying attention. So then when my stuff renews, I'm sure they sent me an email. It re- It's $140 a year. Significantly higher than than I was like, yo. So, but it had already renewed, and I didn't want to go through the cancellation process. So I was like, whatever. But there is a reason I think behind it. Um, so we had Hulu, and my wife was pissed I canceled Hulu. She watches stuff on there. So I was like, whatever, we're canceling it. But now Disney, because they're losing money and they have like a I don't know couple billion dollar losses this year yep they're integrating hulu and disney into the same app and i already paid for a year of disney so when we logged on this week hulu was already on there like you can watch hulu within the disney app and i didn't i don't pay for hulu so the price increases probably to accommodate that like you're gonna get all of it together um, and those that don't pay attention are going to be end up paying for both of them separately until you do pay attention. But yeah, it was $139.99 for a year, which is nuts. Now, um, is this, so now that, are you getting Hulu with? It's on the uh, app. It's a tile on the app. You can I don't know if it's an intro thing, but you can click on it. She watched Elf on there. Like it's her no, favorite. No interruptions? 
No, I mean though. it was just on there. Also, yeah. So See, I was like, me, huh. I, I got to cancel my Hulu now. So I don't know if if that's by design or it's just like a tease, right? Like, hey, this is what the app's gonna look like, and then after a couple of weeks, they're like, oh, I'll, you have to increase your subscription to continue to watch uh, this, but. Yeah. Um, it doesn't say anything of that, and I haven't like researched it any. But she texted me because again, I was on a cancellation binge. She was like, "Did you cancel Hulu?" I was like, "Yep." She was like, "It's on Disney Plus right now," and I was like, "All right, well, let's see how long that lasts after a eighty percent increase to my yearly <laughs> subscription." Well, I'll tell you, it's painful because I mean, look, I got my Hulu, but like, I got my nieces, my nephew, my sister-in-law, and I got like two other friends that use my Hulu. So I've got about like eight different user accounts that are on this and some of these cats let me tell you right now what's been driving me nuts is about the password reset hulu has been hulu and disney and, and espn i'm not sure what they do but the password reset is wicked it, it does it's not a good thing either when i say wicked i mean occasionally i'm just like i'm just like locked out and they're just saying you gotta log in i'm like what and then yeah. i see something from like chicago and i'm like Oh man, these kids are crazy. And then I'll see all over the place. So, you know, from, you know, all over the Midwest to the East Coast. I'm like, I'm like you all need to get your act together. Stop logging my account out and, and, and messing up my Hulu. So, yeah, this Hulu Disney Plus thing, I'm going to have to work on this and figure this out because um, I got locked in off of Verizon. So, I'm. Oh, yeah. Out. I think my brother gets my, it through Verizon yeah, too. I get through Verizon. So, that's, why, that's the one reason I haven't touched it yet. Because I was like, well, I'm getting the bundle through Verizon. Why are you gonna cancel it? And I was like, well, price doesn't change that I have seen. So everything went up though, dude. Like between three and five dollars. Like I yeah, in a week I got a message literally from like every streaming service. Peacock survived because it is a good value. When Peacock decided to add the WWE network to Peacock, Ooh. I was already paying ten dollars a month for the WWE network. It was already, and now I'm gonna always do that because it's cheaper than ordering pay per views when they had pay per views. So like, they integrated that into the app. Didn't raise the price, so I was paying ten bucks for a while. Now it's like at thirteen dollars, and she watches stuff on Peacock. Like that's where I watched that new show, um, Found or whatever with Zach Moore, the Zach Morris guy, and uh, um, oh. black lady. So yeah, I watch I that, that show on there. I'll occasionally watch other shit, but wrestling is why it exists. So I was like, whatever, we're keeping Peacock. We're super into wrestling. And then everything else was like, well, Hulu's going up out of here. It went to like 18 bucks a month um, ad free or something. I was like, yep, see ya. So I was just on a big, I was telling everyone too. I was like, I'm canceling everything. They ain't going to keep getting me because this was the risk when we talked about cable and wanting to pay for your content everyone wanted to pay for specific channels look at us now like cable is starting is real close to being a better option it just is it doesn't have as much content but price wise it is starting to feel like it's a better option absolutely yeah it's like i never thought about cable having value again until now so you know this is this is starting to it's starting to drive me nuts man speaking of something about why you got peacock did you ever get a chance to watch wrestlers on Netflix? So I started it. I watched two episodes. I'll slow roll it, but I'm interested. I'm interested in yeah. it. I think it'll pick up for you because I got because it brought me back to being a kid. So, you know, I you know, I don't get I'm not I'm not engaged with the current wrestling, the state of wrestling, but you know, I could talk to you about from two thousand and two all the way back to like the nineteen seventies, man. And yeah. so speaking of that, did you watch the trailer? 
for the Iron uh, Claw. The yeah, yes. <laughs> I was about to tell so, you that. Yes, dude. Yes. Right. It looks good. Zach Efron yep. looks unrecognizable. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. And and Jeremy White, I mean, look, I remember watching and so for the for the listeners out there. You know, I don't know if any of y'all got into wrestling or even understand the the roots of wrestling, but this is like the first family of wrestling. Without the Von Eric, wrestling would not be where it is today. So they are the ones that help push the narrative of storytelling, of togetherness, of using a unit in wrestling instead of a singular wrestler. You know, they figured they, we fight as a family and nobody beats the Von Erics, and that's how they always handled. So the strategy it's, it's going to well. be good. I mean, A24 is diving into these stories now as a studio, like, and they've done semi-successfully in general, but it looks good. Like, it looks really good. So, um, I think one of the, one of the brothers or grandkids or something was like, it's mostly true. Like, some, obviously, Mm -hmm. like, every story told on film, (laughs) it's not exactly how it happened, but, um, excited to check that out. I think it comes out soon. I might already yeah, be out. Uh, I think it's this, this coming weekend. I think it is. Yeah, I December 22nd, wanted... the same day as Rebel okay. Moon. So that okay, might be a so big yeah. day. I'm off that day, so I might be uh, um, go to the movies, watch a wrestling movie, come home and watch Rebel Moon and spend seven hours of my day watching stuff. <laughs> so we'll see and how that plays out. Remember, I told you I'll be in town, so hit me up if you want to go check oh, it out Oh, we should together. definitely do it. We should do uh, it. I'm, I'm, off, I'm, off, I'm off work the 21st, so... I'm off the 21st through the 26th, so. No, nah, let's do it. I told, so Danny is texting me because we're heavy on playing cards. If, you, if you've seen him on Facebook, like this oh, man, man is I playing you, every you, single day. I saw Jacob over there, man. I saw you going down to this round like last weekend, right? Yep. So yeah, yeah, we, nice. we play Lord Kana. I've talked about that before on here. Uh, but he was texting me about the game because I, I have this deck I built. So one thing about me is I hate doing what the crowd is doing in general. Like, if it's something that I'm interested in, I don't let I won't not do something because everyone's doing it in general for the most part. But like I I pave my own path and people don't like me for that. It is what it is. But when it comes to card games and video games, there's always a meta, right? Like what everyone is doing. And you'll see that in Call of Duty, like because you can customize the weapons. Like everyone's using the same gun or the same series of guns because it's the best gun, right? Like somebody figured out it is the best time to kill whatever. In card For games, sure. that's a lot more prevalent because not everyone can spend the time to design a deck that is cohesive and has multiple win opportunities. So typically, people will watch bigger tournaments. And the top eight, like the top eight, you always see if you're into card game, top eight, top eight, top eight, top eight. Okay. So what ends up happening is people look at the top eight out of over a couple of tournaments and then they just copy those decks. Like, I'm just going to go spend the money, buy the cards. So you, when you go to tournaments, you end up playing against similar decks every time. I, I hate that. With I just can't do it. I have all the cards, enough cards. I have the money. I can buy whatever I need to buy to make one of those decks. And I probably, I'm good at the game, so I probably wouldn't lose if I used one for the most part, right? Unless I ran into a better skilled player, and I'm probably, like, in our area, I would say I'm at the top of the middle of the tier when it comes to skill. Like, I lose to this one dude named Matt all the time. He's beat me like four times in a row um, at bigger tournaments. Um, I lose to these dudes 
that own the store called Warp, but the, they own the store. They play all the time. So skill wise, oh, yeah. they play Magic. Like you're a better skilled player than me. So Alex has beaten me there. Quinn has beaten me. But when it comes to like, let's say, I mean, there's probably like a hundred people in Southeast Wisconsin that are committed to the game. I'm probably like in the top twenty personally. I would I'd say because I play a lot of them throughout the course of the time. But they all use the same shit. So for me, I rather win with something that I build and people could copy my stuff. So I'm building this deck because it's Disney characters. I call it Lions, Tigers, and Bears on mine. So it's based around <laughs> I love the name. Mufasa, Scar, which is a really crazy card. I mean, I have Baloo in there as the bear. So I built out this whole deck and I need to play with it to see if it works, right? There's this online game, but it doesn't play the same because it tries to follow the rules, but it doesn't follow all the rules. Like you get to go first or second. It's kind of weird. So you have to play it in real life to see how it works. And I played Danny against it. Um, So I put this deck together and we played yesterday at a store. And I think I only won one game. Like I lost to everybody, but I need to know, right? Cause now yeah. how does it play against certain decks? Is it too slow? Like, do I have enough inkable cards or like mana? Um, and it turns out that I didn't because I got smoked. So I came home and I'm like redoing the whole deck or whatever. And I changed up a lot of stuff on it. So now I got to go back and try it again. But I feel like I feel good about the concept. I just got to figure out the synergy within it. So Danny was texting me about it. Like, how are you going to change it? So I took a picture of my phone with you. on. He's like, what the hell are you doing with Wes? I was like, we're doing a podcast, bro. And I was like, you should just join us, you know, here going forward. He was like, oh, I'd love to do that. So we'll probably have Danny on here shortly with us, too. Um, oh, perfect. And just kind of um, talk about that stuff. No, talk about, like, Lakana real quick. Um, not, so you so you go, you got to try it out, right? I get it. Totally. That's that's the strategy you got to do. You got you to gotta put the deck together. So when you first put the deck together, I, I got some questions here. Yeah, yeah, let's when do first, it. When you first put your deck together, how long does it take you to really put your deck together? And how do you... And what's the, because you don't need to give everything away, but like, you know, what's the typical way that you want to strategize your build? And then the second part of that is when you're done and you tried it out and you see what worked, what didn't work, how much time do you go back and sort of retool the deck again? Yeah. So in card games, like if you, a good deck typically is winning more than 50% of the time. Like, if you're under 50% of the time, your deck is not good. Like, it's just not. So, because a lot more goes into it, right? It's still a card game. You still have to draw. Like, you're still at the mercy of the draw. You can influence that by having cards that let you draw more, right? And try to do more. So, for me, personally, when I build them, it can't just have one win condition. And I think that's where this deck... So, the deck that I'm building now is all about gaining... So, Lorcana is a race, different from other games i don't have to battle you i don't have to challenge you or fight you we i don't have to i can completely ignore you if you're ignoring me it's a race to 20 points so it's disney right they're trying to make it more kid friendly but if you're beating me i have to try to stall you from getting to 20 while i get to 20 so my deck is about and typically if you challenge a character you don't gain lore you have to quest to gain lore so Scar, Mufasa, like the way that the win can the main win condition of this deck is when I challenge you and Shere Khan, um, I get a lore for challenging you and I can also draw a card. So like that's the mechanic. The engine is I'm going to keep wiping your board. And typically when I do that, 
I wouldn't gain lore, but the way that it's built, I do. So it's slower. It's about control. But that's basically the only win condition it had. And I typically don't do that. So I didn't, it's, there's a new set that just came out and I kind of oversaw it. Like I have a Sapphire, which is blue, um, steel deck, which is gray. And I have like two to three outs on that. Like if my, if one of my win conditions isn't working, I have another one. And if that's not working, there's a smaller third option that I can do. So typically at least two for me, like if, if my scars aren't working, what else can I do to quest quickly? And that's what it was missing. So I went in and changed a couple of things to see what would happen. So it's pretty interesting. It's a simpler game. Like if you play Magic or Mm -hmm. Yu-Gi-Oh! Like there's no instance in Lorcana. So on my turn, you can't do anything to stop me from doing what I need to do. Like it's turn, your turn, my turn, your turn, my turn. Um, At least not yet, but we're on chapter two. Chapter three comes out or the next drop comes out in February and they've added different mechanics throughout. So like now they're adding lands, which wasn't a thing in the first two in February. So that's going to change the dynamic of the game and readily available. Now before you couldn't get any cards, I spent a shit ton of money trying to find cards. Now they flooded the market. Every game store got like a third release of chapter one. They all have plenty boxes. Target Walmart has plenty stuff in stock. So if you didn't want to check it out, now's a really good time to be able to walk into any store and grab some packs, see if you like it. Pretty dope, yeah. I'm seeing a lot more uh, lore kind of popping up out here in the south, uh, in the south bay of uh, LA. So, you know, I'm starting to see a little bit more of a scuttle around this. People are starting to talk about it. So, I don't really get into the into the in the card role playing game too much. More traditional. Um, yeah, I'm just an old school board game sort of guy. Yeah. So, you know, it's like I I just like flat out just get into Monopoly and and risk. I, so I like risk and I like monopoly and I like starting fights and with friends, you know, and then, you know, and then, and then we don't talk for like a month after, you know, or just, you know, so those are my old school games, but no, I have uh, my group of friends out here. Danny introduced them to me. He grew up with them, man. They love MTG. So they're in magic gathering. And I was just talking to one of them last night and she, I was asking her, she got into Lorcana and she was, she was, she was thinking about it with the girls, with like her, with the, so that's the, the key. So the kids why. are the key. So like, um the the demographics are different on this game so like it's disney man so it's gonna appeal to everyone even the collectors but typically in like magic a lot of women don't play magic like if you go to a magic tournament like a big one it's like a real a lot you know thousands of dudes typically uh low 20s to 40 or so like there's a demographic for it right so like Yu-Gi-Oh, some women play but smaller subset but one of the more popular games Lorcana has that same group of people plus they have kids like the pokemon crowd right that's into disney plus they have retired i played a 60 year old dude that's retired i was looking to do something and disney's his thing so he's playing that so like it's just (laughs) the scope is i lost to a nine-year-old girl named kaylee at a big tournament who her dad and her uncle play they're magic players they taught her how to play and she knew every single card of set two, and it was a pre-release event. Like anything that I played mm. in sealed, she knew what it did, how it did it, and she was like really good. So it's a bigger audience, so it's gonna survive because it's Disney. But the family aspect, Danny's a great example of this. So Danny, so I went down there and showed them how to play. So Jacob's kind of into it. John isn't as interested and Lily isn't either, but Heidi's interested and she's learned how to play. So like now Danny, his wife 
and his youngest play each other at home. His wife is going to events on Tuesdays at stores, which we never thought would be a thing. Like she wow. has her own deck. Um, Danny was late to a tournament yesterday. We were at because he was playing Heidi at home. So like it's <laughs> it's just one of those things where the family's gonna carry it. And if you have enough cards, you could just play it at home and get better and tweak, and then just show up once a week. You know, play at the store if you really wanted to, because there's prizes like everything else. Get more cards. Get whatever. It's a fun game. I enjoy it. Sida plays it, but she refuses to go to the store to play it. She'll only play me. Um, but that's one of those things. It's just it's a cool, it's a cool thing. Danny, I got Danny into it because prior to this, I had I haven't been seeing Danny. I don't go to the Bucks games no more as much as I used to. And prior to telling him let's do Larkana, I probably had gone like five or six months without seeing him. And I would see Danny every day, like over the last decade type shit. So now that we're playing, like I see Danny twice a week, three times a week, but he's going to play almost every day, bro. He plays Mondays, Tuesdays, Thursdays, Fridays, Saturdays. I think he's playing at two stores today. Like he's all the way in. Um, So it's a cool thing to do. He's pot committed. That's one thing about Danny is that he doesn't do anything and not be pot committed with it, though. So he puts all his chips in. So that's dope, man. I'm I'm glad. You know, I did see the photo of uh he posted a photo the other day of him and Heidi playing. Yep. And it actually took me I actually almost fell back out my on my chair. I was like, <laughs> Okay. And I said, now the entire Wind family gets into it. But I figured that the kids though, they're at that age. The older the older I get it. They're at an age where they probably yeah. rather do other things. So uh but no, that's pretty sick, man. Uh we're kind of picking up, so I'm glad that you're having fun with it. It's fun. Uh, you know, and it's funny you mentioned it about the MTG. So I was in Vegas a couple months back. I was there with Danny. I think he told you about it. Yep. And uh, that just happened to be the Magic uh, uh, convention and some tournament play then, too, at the same time. So saw some photos, saw some people walking around. Definitely an influx of people I knew were there for Magic that weekend, especially at the hotel. I was like, okay, <laughs> I know what you're here for. You know, but it's cool. It, it, it's cool, though. I mean, you get to go to Vegas, and it's not always what it is. I mean, because sometimes it's it, it just – certain conventions, certain things. Sometimes it's just um, seasonal holiday, people getting away in the summertime. But now it's just, you know, when you go there for a convention, you know what certain conventions are in town because you see the people there. So it's kind of cool. Yeah, I mean, it's me and Danny go all in on anything that we do for the most part. So, like, when we were playing another game called Hero Clays, we went to the yeah. World Championships in Ohio. Like, we've gone to or We've traveled, you know what I'm saying? So <laughs> as this game gets bigger and there's bigger, lo- like, Midwesty things, I can see Danny and I making a couple of trips to to test our might against other other better players. Danny's behind on the curve. That's why he's playing so much because I've been playing since day one. Danny didn't play mm-hmm. until, like, a month ago. So there are combinations and synergy. Like he has to think about it. Like I played him yesterday and he beat me and he should have beat me significantly sooner. And I won't tell him in the game, but after like, why did you do it this way? You could have done it this way. And it's just a product of you haven't played the deck that often. You're not playing as much. I've been playing it longer. So it's like everything practice. So he needs to put in you know, the time with the deck that he wants to use so that it's it's second nature. Like, when I play my cards, I know, like, what I want to do, how I want to do it, if, you know, the next card, whatever. So, but Danny's always played Magic. Like, we play a lot of stuff together. He'll He'll get to that point where he's beating people. And unlike me, he doesn't give a shit about copying meta stuff. So he has a... He has like the top deck that won a a recent tournament and it's what Heidi's been using and it's really good. It's a steel song deck and it's super annoying. 
Um, (laughs) We'll see. We'll see how it goes. He just has to, like everything, one mistake costs you the game. Like you can't, you can't make, when you're playing a good person, like any game, like anything that's strategic, say chess, for example. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. You make one error and if the other person is significantly better than you, that's that's the end of the game. And that's what happens to Danny right now. Like his skill level is probably middle of the pack because he's played other games, but one mistake and it's over for you. Like, so when we play each other, we talk through it when we're not at the store. Like I wouldn't do that, do this instead, or here's the order of how I would do it. Right. So it's just those little things. Um, It'll come though. Did you, I know you're not a big gamer, uh, but staying within the gaming aspect, did you catch any of the game awards, any trailers? Um, I am a little pissed. I did, so I'm a little pissed. I, I'm the guy who's a little pissed on Spider-Man 2 not getting anything. <laughs> um, it had not, eight nominations and didn't win anything. How is that why. possible? It's this is ridiculous. I feel like I feel like we're in a we're we're in a self-corrective age of people who are just like we're just going to do things because we just feel like we want to send a message for no good reason. However, some of the other games that did win, look. I'm not going to argue with that from what I read because I'm not huge into gaming anymore, but I still follow. I still follow gaming almost like I'm still playing. Yeah. That's a problem for me because I think <laughs> I just get, I get my satisfaction because I know if I did have a game, if I did game now, I wouldn't get anything else done at home. So it's like, no, I mean, it's hard. It's, it's hard. Tough. It's so, hard to game and get this stuff done because I want to make videos and unboxings and podcasts. Like I, I can't play every day if I want to do those things. So I get it. But yeah, so but the games that did win, absolutely, they were they were deserving it. But still, a little surprised that Spider-Man Two didn't pull anything away. Um, you know, where gaming is going right now, B, I, I'm not sure, man. It's you know, I know that they've got new engines coming out soon. Um, you know, and I think I think this is this probably be the award that will probably wrap until I think they really get some of the more advanced machines coming out in twenty four. Yep. So you know, I think right now we're at a pivotal point where. They're either going to invest more into some, so the next set of, the next season of, I guess, next season release of games, I can't feel like they're going to want to do anything for this, for these consoles until they, until they have it ready for the next one to take advantage of that advanced graphics and gra- and advanced gameplay. So it's tough. Um, Q4 of any, of any calendar year, probably the worst time to be thinking about uh, where you're going to go with gaming because everything's going to transition again. So It's crazy. We'll and then, what are your thoughts? On the, it's on so the, stacked. The like, it's hard. So the awards, so I don't, I don't like, like, I won't say I won't like them, but like if a game takes hundreds of hours of time, I can't, I just can't <laughs> play it. I would like to like Starfield, for example, is a kind of choppy experience. I didn't have no delusions of that game winning game of the year because of, everything that it is and isn't but it's a fun experience if you're into like rpgs and and doing stuff and i dumped probably like 30 40 hours into the game and it's fun and i'll i can play it on an ally i go back but i didn't think that was gonna win spider-man's a really good game like it's a great game the story's cool it's a different story like harry's venom the mechanics are fun they built onto it you can I feel like there's a missed opportunity making it co-op because you go back and forth between the characters and there's a lot of missions where you can do it together, Miles and Peter. But Baldur's, Baldur's Gate, since the beginning, had nothing but perfect scores. Everyone that ever played it was in awe of it. So I assumed Baldur's Gate would win Game of the Year. 
but it did. did. But to give you perspective, dude, like here are the game of the year contenders. Alan Wake 2. Yep. Baldur's Gate. Marvel Spider-Man 2. Resident Evil 4 remake, which has no business being on this list. Super Mario Brothers Wonder, which is, dude, like Nintendo did it again. The game is so amazing. Like, I didn't think it would win game of the year. But if you're a Mario fan, y'all, and you don't have this game, you're missing out. And then Zelda, Tears of the Kingdom, Kingdom. which, again, when it comes to, like, there's different categories. But, like, when it comes to innovation, the game basically took a Minecraft mechanic and let you use your imagination to create whatever your imagination wanted you to be able to create with mechanisms and moving parts you can create tanks and mechs whatever you wanted within a zelda game and like the story was cool it's just wild to me like Baldur's gate must be legit one of the most best games ever created because no one's ever said anything bad about it it's just nuts how good and basically a landslide that was it's just it's crazy to me yeah so when i saw Baldur's gate show up there Something told me, I was like, well, I probably should have known this from the drop, right? The drop, the drop, people lost their minds first. You, first of all, you couldn't even get it for a while. <laughs> like people, 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 people were just out there just trying to get it, you know, and then when they got on it, like they had some gameplay issues because there's just, you know, there's so many people using it and, you know, so it's just, but Baldur's Gate at the end of the day, I have friends here that got into it and they were, I, I, I didn't hear from them for like probably about a solid month. Yeah, just immersed. I'm, I'm, I'm no, no, no lie. It's like, hey, you guys want to go grab a bike? No, nah. we got plans. We yeah. got. They were, they were too. They were too ashamed to say exactly what it was. But after <laughs> I kept plugging, I said, "So why didn't we hang out last week?" Oh yeah, we're playing Baldur's Gate. I'm like, I got a a, wife, a friend, him and his wife both together, just sitting there next to each other playing. But I'm like, what's going on here? You know. So I'm like, you guys are nuts, man. But Alan Wake too. Alan Wake 2, I heard, was like, that was phenomenal. So, you know, again, I, not being in the community, but being around it enough, trust me, I, I get it. You know, I'm still trying to figure out, though, where they're going to go with this. Because to me, I just see this. I see, like, there's a roadmap, and I still see that while it's PC and then there's console, I just feel like PC is always going to be there and it's going somewhere. But I feel like the consoles are going to have to end up getting down, narrowed down to one at some point i, I think it, like so it. microsoft's strategy is it's a game pass I, they try to do that last gen and it is the yeah. best value in gaming at some point microsoft's vision here or their goal is to have the game pass on any device anywhere in the world yeah and they have a great relationship with nintendo right now within by the next generation whenever the series x is done Game Pass is going to be on Nintendo. Like, I will put money. If there was a mm. betting odd on this, I'm going to put, I'll put money on it. Mm, Sony's okay. a little trickier because Sony views them as direct competition still. And Sony's trying to stand up their own type of Game Pass. They just don't want to give anything away from free because what differentiates them is their first party titles is what sells consoles. So, Absolutely. like, they're going to get a ton of money. Xbox historically didn't have great first-party titles for a while, so they include that in the Game Pass. And their purchases of Bethesda, 
huge, right? Like all these gaming companies now are you're gonna be have access to those games. Honestly, if they charge me 150 bucks a year, 200 year a year for Game Pass, I'd probably pay it because it's a, if you buy the games individually every other month, it's gonna add up to that anyways, and you have access to the rest of the library. It's just the best value. That being That's said, right. that being said, like it's gonna Sony will end up. Will, Nintendo will never go away. Like Microsoft has attempted to buy Nintendo. Apparently, that's a thing too. Like, so if that that. were to happen, it would be just two. But Sony's not going to go away. It's the PlayStation brand brings in Sony corporate. It's always their positive division. Like everything else is not usually great. Um, (laughs) So that I don't know. I think we're still a ways out for that. But it is where we're going to go. Speaking to that, because it's funny you say that. So I'm going to tie this into the Game Awards and then spin off into another thing. So I was never a Fortnite fan, like, because I guess it's the most American thing ever. So when Fortnite first came out, it was a fort building game. You built forts to try to protect yourself from, like, kind of like these zombie things, like plant versus zombie type shit within a fort. That was the purpose of the game. PUBG comes out. And has massive reactions. Like their Day Z was technically PUBG came out of Day Z. It was like a mod, and it was like the first big battle royale thing people were all into. It's a game mode. You drop in with nothing, you versus a hundred people, or your squad versus 40 other squads. Let the best man win. You pick up what's on the ground, let it happen. So that started popping off. So but Fortnite devs or Epic was like, whoa, shit, this is popular. So they made their own version. And that's what we know as Fortnite today. So it was totally a copied, you know, game mode. Like they just decided. But what's crazy about this is for Fortnite, over the last six or seven years, they've added so many things and borrowed from other games. What they're they're trying to be ready player one. When you talk about one go-to place. This is what Fortnite has become. It is insane. Like when you launched a Fortnite game, they added zero build, which is why I play it now. But the properties, so you don't have to build. It's a traditional okay. battle royale game, which I <laughs> that's what I want to play. So we play that. But at Epic, these folks have the rights to so much shit. Like you can get Marvel characters, DC characters. You can get The Witcher, anything gaming you can think of. The only thing not on Fortnite right now, like literally, are Nintendo characters. Everything else in that store revolves around anything pop culture or gaming related. It's basically my channel come to life. So, like, you launch the game. There's community maps, community games you can do. This week, the new season chapter they call it started it launched with like an m&m kind of like it's not a concert but like an m&m intro so the pop culture references in there as well you got to see him like rap in his cartoon form for like rap god and he was this big godzilla monster yada yada it was cool um but these dudes added a lego game mode on there for free all this shit is free you only have to buy skins it's free so there's a lego builder mode now where it's basically minecraft with lego fucking brand on it and a lot of the zelda mechanics when it came to like building with engines Mm -hmm. it's all on there so they like stole all this stuff dude it launched and there's like two million people playing this game mode 
at any given time. When the when chapter five launched, there was 12 million people in a queue to watch that video and launch the next chapter of Fortnite. So that's crazy. Lego comes out as a game mode the very next day because Epic runs Rocket League. They launch another game mode called Rocket Racing with the Rocket League mechanics, except it's a race mode. So you just have different racetracks from easy to expert with a rank mode. And it's a racing game with it is literally ready player one, bro. So all the skins you get and you've collected over the years, you still use those in the other game modes. They turned a lot of the skins you own into Lego skins. So your Lego character still has the skin that you had on your regular character. The cars you earn, you can customize, and your character's the driver. So, like, I play a lot. I'm an X-Men fan, so, like, my main person I've been using recently is Rogue. So, Rogue is the driver of my car. And then, if that wasn't fucking enough, yesterday, they released another game mode. This was all kind of announced, so you knew it was coming, but this Mm -hmm. is as it has released this week. A game mode called Festival. And what Festival is? It's a rhythm game, like Rockstar and Guitar Hero. What? And The weekend is the main person on it right now. So you can go buy weekend songs, Lady Gaga, old rock songs. And as of right now, use the controller, the keyboard to hit the play, the, you know, the rhythm as it comes out. But the devs of Rockman said they're going to make their peripherals fucking compatible with this game. I literally, if I'm a kid, First off, for sure. But even me will launch Fortnite and not want to play anything else. There is nothing. You don't have to go anywhere else. And I say all of this because this is how ridiculous the game awards are. Best ongoing game. Awarded to the game for outstanding development of ongoing content that evolves the player experience every time. Here are the nominees. Apex Legends. Cyberpunk 2077, Final Fantasy, Fortnite, and Genshin Impact. And Cyberpunk 2077 won this award, which they have, when this game came out, it was awful. It was one of the biggest flops of all time. So they have made the better the game better. But there, listen to me, <laughs> there is no content on earth right now that has better ongoing support or innovation than the guys at Epic and Fortnite. It makes absolutely zero sense. Why? Oh, these awards, these awards are cooked. These <laughs> awards are cooked. This thing is cooked. This thing has been cooked for a while, then that's the case. I mean, that doesn't make any sense. From what you just told me, that is ridiculous. It's crazy, bro. Like the Lego thing is nuts. You go on there, there's so many people. All the big streamers are playing the Lego thing. Because we Fortnite's been out for six or seven years. It's an old game. Like, Oh, absolutely. They stay relevant because they add skins and newer pop cars. Like, you can get Stranger Things skin on there. You can't buy them at all the points, but the store rotates every day, and then they give you different options, and it's always fresh, and they bring old stuff back that you might have missed or you never saw because you didn't play the game back then. But, like, I have... If I would have played Fortnite for the last six years, I'd probably have like $15,000 worth of <laughs> worth of skins and shit in this game. Because every time I open the game, I'm like, I want all of this shit. <laughs> like, it's, it's the craziest thing ever. That's wild. So, yeah, so I never got into Fortnite because uh, that was right about the time I pretty much put down my controller. 
Um, but, you know, when I would go over to people's houses and Fortnite's on, like literally for forever, that first year, that's all I saw people on there when I would walk yep. in. I'm like, Fortnite. I'm like, is this really just that good? Just, and I mean, if somebody would put down a controller, they come over and we'd hang out, drink, talk, whatever, eat. And then somebody else in the house would come up, pick up the controller, start playing their character. I was just like, <laughs> are you crazy? It was almost like there was just like they're waiting for somebody else to be done for their for their next for their next hour or so session, and that's how I knew Fortnite was bringing something to the table that I had not experienced in my previous first person shooter experiences when I got out, you know. So and that's why you know Fortnite clearly has had a grip, uh, like some sort of a chokehold on people, uh, on their audience, but they provided it because that's what the people are wanting. This yep. is what this is this is what keeps them coming back. So to, for an award show to be that much out of touch, again, goes back to why I don't follow <laughs> award shows very often. I follow just a little bit, but not much. This confirms to me the people doing the award shows are cooked, and it's always in one slanted perspective yeah. view. So unfortunately, it's about who's contributing to the awards, not so much about well, who's actually worthy of the award. It's so just that's, that's it's crazy for you. So it's crazy. Yeah, I love. I we're like me and Ray are super in on Fortnite right now. He's posting videos on a TikTok channel. If you guys check check that out. It's just, not only is it consistent and the skins are cool and you have multiple game modes now, but it is the smoothest of the gameplays as well. So like whoever at Epic six years ago, seven years ago, when this game came out as a fort building game was like, yo, let's pivot. <laughs> I mean... He deserves an award for that, or the group of people deserve to like own Epic at this point. Because the amount of money, the cheapest skin is like you have to buy like ten dollars of V Bucks, and they have bundles that are all the way up to like forty dollars. And every time I go on there, bro, I'm buying something. Like I every day I look, I'm like, (laughs) I need this, I need that. They have a so there's a C. They have a they call it Fortnite Crew. It costs twelve dollars a month. You can subscribe to this, which I do every month. You get a skin that has multiple other skins. You get the season pass, which is going to cost you $10 anyway. So you're going to buy that regardless. You get V-Bucks, like a thousand V-Bucks, which means you got it for free. Then in the season pass, you get, you can earn V-Bucks and extra like original skins on there as well. And now being a part of the Fortnite crew, because of these other game modes, you also get cars for the racing mode songs for the other like it's it's just insane bro like they literally want you to only spend money there and it's working like i i we i own the only other game i'm playing right now is 2k because i like sports and we have a group of friends that have five characters so we all play together but outside of that fortnite has taken over our world and it's absolutely insane to me (laughs) because we we weren't into it like we were never into it it's crazy my brother doesn't play video games. Not his thing. He's always had a Switch and he would randomly pick it up as I bought it for him for Christmas. And he would play Fortnite on there. Oh, because on top of all of that, Wes, it's yeah. cross-play. You can play oh, it on what? any of the consoles. You Get can play on here. a computer. You can play against each other. Like, my brother played on a Switch. I play on PC. Ray plays on the on the Xbox. My buddy Zach plays on a PlayStation. We all play together. So on top of all of that, it is completely cross-play. And not just crossplay, the store is cross. 
any skin I have is in the ecosystem. So I can turn on my PlayStation and I still have all my stats, all my skin, all my V-Bucks. I can turn on the Switch. I still have all of that. Come down here on the computer, still have all of that. It's nuts, dog. It's nuts. So with, with, with Epic Games obviously driving all this, um, what is their story? I mean, they've got to have some sort of vision, some sort of story with, with, with how all this is, is driving not only their content as they continue to evolve, but also their experiences that led them to get to this right. point. Because that's, that's the thing that intrigues me. So what you tell me right now, because just because I'm not a gamer, but what I respect is the vision behind the folks putting, putting this content together. Because that, to me, tells me that they've already been burned as a consumer. Right. Times, and they felt as though it was time to approach these companies with a game that can actually transcend past the limits of each console and or from PC, but to be able to deliver the experience to consumers that they've always felt that they never got. So, you know, that story right there alone, I, I think almost, let me do a biopic. Oh, let yeah, I was going to say, there's going to be a right documentary. Now. There's going to be, because, yeah. dude, like, if that's the future, if what if Ready Player One, if you've never watched that movie oh, or yeah. read the book, you should definitely go watch this thing. It's literally, Fortnite is a decade away from this being what that is at this point they because there's no lobby like there's no main world where you can go into and connect to the other worlds it's just like you click on a game mode and it takes you into that portal within the next few years there's going to be like this open world everyone can kind of just hang out in and then you go into separate rooms to play whatever game mode you have and if that happens we are literally in ready player one it is it who someone at Epic saw or read this book and was like, we need to do that. And yeah, it's a far thing to say. I say I need to do shit all the time, but to execute on it to this level. And dude, again, we weren't even Fortnite fans. I would, I didn't play the game. And years ago, I told my brother, cause he played, that's the only game he plays. It's like his favorite thing. I was like, on the off chance that this thing does become ready player one. I want to have skins. I would, this is how much influence they have. I would log into the game, buy a skin that my brother showed me and log off and never play the game again. Because on the off chance that this shit does become that, I'm not going to be starting in square one with skins and characters. Not, I just didn't want it to be that. So I was like, if that happens, I want to have my Marvel skins, DC skins. I have some Star Wars stuff, anime right now in the store. They have a bundle and separate emotes and shit for My Hero Academia. You can get All oh, wow. Might and all of the students and Shoto. Dude, it's just, it's crazy. It's absolutely crazy. If Nintendo gives in, because this week the CEO of Epic admitted they've been on Nintendo's ass to let them put Nintendo properties in Fortnite. And the answer has still been no. If they allow that to happen, I mean, everything, everything's there. It's nuts. Yeah, that, I mean, and that pretty much goes into what I was on the show the last time. And I had mentioned, you know, the little the idea about, you know, if Nintendo really wanted to get into slightly more adultish would be, right. would have been like a, almost a first person or a third person uh, game in that view. And that, that puts them right into that. You know, something you just touched on, but I think to bring this up quickly, though, is, um, 
that vision was epic and how that's going to transcend to other games that are going to span and also the reverse compatibility, right? So let's think about like what was the last gen that's going to be allowed to be shared across this big world. Right. When you're talking about 10 years from now, right? And then to not to to not be so exclusive to just current gen model um, modules, but then previous gens too, those engines. So allowing users to be able to utilize I don't know, maybe say like the last five Xboxes, just a great example, with the same thing as the last five Sonys, uh, you know, PlayStations, that example, you know, as well as PCs. So I think that having that vision and using that that playability, and one of the things would be is that you see somebody who's on a previously slower graphic system, that engine alone, you can still see them, you'll right. see them in that same area, and you'll be like, you need an upgrade. You know, yeah. you can make jokes <laughs> like that. It's like, you know, hey, man, it was a little pixelated to me. You know, and stuff I, like I mean, that, again, so. not to beat the dead horse, but that's what Ready Player One is, right? Like, you would get to a point where, like, you need to upgrade, <laughs> and then they would, like, oh, let me buy these credits. The amount of money Epic makes on V-Bucks is utterly insane to the point mm. that you can go in. This is how confident they are in their product. You can go into the store and request a, re- a refund on your last three purchases, and they just give it back to you, no questions asked. No way, what? Yeah, bro. It's crazy. Like, that's how confident and how much money's rolling in. You can go, I can go in there right now. And the last three purchases I made on skins say, I don't want them no more. They'll refund you the V bucks and you can use it on other things if you wanted to. It wow, is cool. nuts. So, like 5,000 V bucks for about 37 bucks. Yep. So, yeah, I mean, it, you know, it takes me back to just when I, you know, when I got off the console, you know, Xbox in at 360 days was, you know, that well, I think that I feel like you you didn't get anywhere close to that sort of value. But again, I don't know how many, how many V bucks is used on an average, right? So, for, for Dude, I mean, for, for an adult that has a job and has spending money, I'm like, I mean, me and Ray buy a lot of fucking skins. And that was before <laughs> this week, where now, I'm playing the racing mode and I want to, I'm doing ranked on there. And my car is like the generic rocket league car. And I go to the store and there's like a Lamborghini for 4,000 V bucks. And it's all cosmetic. Cause the car doesn't go any faster, but I'm like, I feel like I need a car skin now. So not only am I getting character skins, now they're about to get me. And Ray went on there. Cause the music thing is going to be big, bro. Like if they have peripherals, when I'm, First started talking to my wife. We spent countless hours as a as a group. It was me, her, my cousin, our roommate, their others, other friends. And we would have like rock band nights. We had the drums, the guitar, the bass. Somebody was singing. There would be four or five hours where we're drinking and just doing that as adults. So when this <laughs> game came out yesterday, I, I was like, babe, look what's on here. And she's like, yeah, right. And, and the game is free. So the money's going to come from you buying the tracks. So you have to buy the music. So oh, there. So Ray went on there yesterday, bought a fucking the weekend bundle. It came with like a skin for your character to play Fortnite as the weekend, a guitar skin for your guitars, a bass skin for your bass, three songs, a mask. Like it's just it's crazy, dude. It's absolutely crazy. But that's dope. On that note, I think this has been another successful episode. Wes, I appreciate you stopping by, man. Whenever you want to be on here, let me know. You're more than welcome every Sunday if you want. We record these on Sundays, by the way. Um, So in the future, Danny will stop by. Wes will probably be on that day, too, or every Sunday going forward if he has time. 
Um, yeah. Ray can Ray will pop in. I just texted him because you <laughs> full disclosure, me and Ray always got into conversations because I always try to keep the podcast within a certain amount of time unless the conversation is flowing like it did today. And he would want to do like a four hour Joe Rogan podcast. And I'm like, bro, there's no way we're doing that. So I texted him while we're on here. And I was like, me and Wes just are having the longest podcast ever. You should be on here. He's like, bro, you're killing me. So as we kind of go on and more people are added, um, this will evolve. But I think this was awesome, man. I appreciate you stopping by. Appreciate it, man. I uh, appreciate uh, you and you and Ray being able to have this forum uh, to be able to invite me on. And uh, I look forward to every opportunity going forward, man. Um, just keep me plugged in. We'll continue to talk. Sweet. Well, if you're watching on YouTube, make sure you hit that subscribe button. If you're listening on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, make sure you follow our channel so you get the latest updates on listening to the podcast. Um, and also check out our YouTube shorts and our uh, TikToks. Ray posts a lot of, at this moment in time, Fortnite content of killing things and skins. Um, but we'll have a lot more stuff on there for you guys. Stay nerdy. See ya.